are listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Friday college football games have kicked off here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It's time to bring in our college football insider, Michael Felder from Stadium and Learfield Podcasts like College Sports Now. All right, Illinois and Indiana's coming up. Brett Bielma trying to get bigger and bigger to compete in the Big Ten. Has he done enough in this short time to be able to go on the road and pull off an upset of Indiana? Yeah, I think that's the key. And here's the thing. In, in all offseason, you don't get to really see the players all offseason, but they kept talking about they're getting bigger. They're getting bigger. Uh, Bielema wants them bigger. Lo and behold, they go out there on the field, and they are a much bigger football team than they were a year ago. And that's how they were able to lean on Wyoming. I'm very curious to see if that size translates to a Power 5 team in Indiana, a conference team in Indiana, and what that looks like. So let's talk uh, Big Ten from last night. Penn State-Purdue, really interesting Ooh. game, a lot of twists and turns. I'm going to come out of the game saying I have – Penn State about the same in terms of power ratings, and I'm going to upgrade Purdue a little bit. What do you think of the game? What stood out for you? I think that they, I think they all both kind of stay exactly where they are. Purdue can be a dangerous football team when they're when they're clicking offensively, uh, but they cannot run the football, and that was quite apparent when you're playing. When you're, you're there's you know five minutes, four minutes to go in the game, you've got a lead, and you still have to throw if you want to get a first down. Uh, that's really indicative of, of what you cannot do as a football team, which is run. So they got to figure out how to get Aiden O'Connell some some help on the ground. But also, the, my takeaway, Sean Clifford did his thing. He handled his business when they needed him to. And the big part for me was the tackling was awful. Yep. I mean, Purdue's ta- – they looked like they were like they, – they looked like, um, like, they, like, like they just looked like the guy was just like bouncing off of guys – arm tackles that didn't work, horrible angles. Like, defense will not be their calling card, I guess is the thing to say. And yet I don't want to overdo the tackling in week one because I think a lot of teams are going to struggle with this. And I thought I thought it was a big part of West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh had a bunch of long runs. West Virginia's tackling was terrible. Pittsburgh didn't tackle that well. I know there was a lot of other interesting notes in that game, but when you don't go live tackling because you want to save yourself, and I don't blame coaches, you don't want to destroy your team in the preseason, game one, game two might be a little dicey. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Let's take all three of those teams as examples. right? You said Purdue, Pitt, and West Virginia. I only think Pitt is going to get better at tackling. That's the only team I think is going to get better at it. I think what we see is what we get out of West Virginia and what we get out of Pitt. Excuse me, out of Purdue. I don't think they're going to get better. And we can blame it on week one. We can blame it on no live tackling drills. I think for Pitt, they're going to continue to get better defensively. I don't think those other two teams are going to get better defensively. And part of getting better is tackling. I think Pitt will get better because Narduzzi's going to focus on it, right? He's going to spend time on it. He's going to let them know this is unacceptable. We, we, you, If you do this, you will not be in the game. And they're going to go through drills that make sure that it's important. And I think that's the difference between those other two teams and Pitt. So I think Pitt gets better. I do not think that um, – I don't think that West Virginia or Purdue get better at time. Last thing about Thursday's games, and Michael Felder's with us from the stadium and at In the Bleachers up on Twitter. I know you kept an eye on Fresno State out of the Mountain West, San Jose out of the Mountain West. San Jose, okay. I mean, barely got by. And Woo. i got to tell you a couple of things. I told everyone in the offseason, Chevin Cordero is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, and he – Last night I thought he just threw everything at one speed, and he's got to get some change-up ability. He's got to get a little better in terms of putting some air under the ball. But the play calling, uh, that was another team that would not run the ball. The play calling from San Jose State I thought yeah. was bizarre. And they, they, got, they got a real test from, from freaking Portland State with a quarterback who I didn't really think could throw. 
Yeah, um, 49 rushing yards. <laughs> and obviously, I know that uh, Cordero added up to none because of the sacks. But, I mean, goodness gracious, man, they, they, they've got to find a way to, to – um, they got to find a way to run the football. Otherwise, you're not going to last long in the Mountain West. And then it was it was revealing to see Elijah Cooks really come on strong, which was nice. Yeah. So this is going to be a really interesting football team. Obviously, they're a team that wants to continue to improve, continue to get better. But, man, I think get better starts with being able to run the football and control the line of scrimmage. Fresno actually had a little bit of difficulty. They were laying 42, way too big a number in their game yeah. against Cal Poly. I like Cal Poly's quarterback, but he was a little inaccurate. But the question coming out of the game is Jake Hayner and – just his sustainability. He's a small guy. He got beat the hell, uh, beat the hell last year during the season. I mean, he had to go on the move a lot. He got knocked around a lot against a Cal Poly team. Yeah, Cal Poly was living in the backfield. That was one of my big takeaways. They were living in the backfield. They were they were getting to the quarterback. They were rushing the passer. They were they were knocking him around. I it was. I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. How long? How much more of this can Jake Hayner take? He is a slight man, and I look. And he's someone I know. He's gotten bigger since he was in high school when I saw him, but he's not that much bigger. No. And the other guys are a lot bigger. So this is going to be interesting to see how they protect him. I the thing I really like about this um, Fresno State team. Obviously, I love Tedford. I mean, I've been a Tedford fan for a long time. At the same um, Elite Eleven where Hayner was, Tedford was there, and Tedford. Watching him talk football is truly a treat. Like, it's amazing. It made me cringe as a defensive player where he talks about putting guys in conflict and he goes, like, he's casually on the board because he's just talking to quarterbacks. I'm there kind of as a reporter, as an observer, but I still got a defense in my blood. And he's like, see, here's what you do. You got this guy right here. You got this guy right here. He can't cover both of you. Make him be wrong. And I'm like, that's, yeah, he, yep. we can't. We can't <laughs> cover you. And – I think the interesting, the most interesting thing for me is going to be what is it, Nick, Nico uh, Remigio and um, Jordan Mims, number one and number seven, respectively. Now I'll tell you what, one and seven look alike. First of all, second of all, the fact that they can play both of those guys in the backfield and do wild things with them is really, really fun. Um, uh, Nico had, I think, two carries. Mims had had like fifteen or sixteen carries, but then Nico. You, Listen, you can run him out of the backfield on passing routes where he gets to line up against a linebacker. You can play him in the slot. The guy had a, had about 100 yards receiving. So I, I really I really dig that kind of that, that one-two punch that they have. Michael Felder is with us. He went to North Carolina, played defensive back at North Carolina. So I'm going to start out there for a Saturday tilt. First of all, how the hell did North Carolina agree to go to App State? And by the way, the spread on this game is basically like Carolina one and a half. And the Tar Heels have not had very good luck just going on the road in general recently. So what I'm seeing is App State is a one and a half, is a one and a half favorite. UNC getting points. This game started out UNC was a, a plus four. Uh, UNC was a minus four team, and they, the, the the spreads completely flipped over to Appalachian State. UNC had a really rough outing against FAMU. Drake May, I know you can say he scored five touchdowns, blah 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 blah, but the defense was horrible. The run game was bad. So we'll see going up against an App State team that's got one of the best running back combos in the country and uh, Noel and Cameron Peoples. And going to the Rock is hard. And to answer your question, how do they agree to this? This is some state-mandated stuff, my man. Like, we, the same reason that NC State's going to ECU. Uh, Those schools have complained, or they complained for a long time about not getting to play UNC, not getting to play NC State. And finally, legislature stepped in and was like, we're going to play these games. 
you don't have to play them every year, but we're going to play these games. You're, you're going to go on the road too. So it's a, it, that's what it is. And it gives App State a chance to get to play at UNC at some point. It gives UC a chance to play at NC State at some point. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes itself out. I am, look, UNC is going to lose to App State. That's Ooh. just, a, that's, that's a fact. All right. App State is quality. They're talented. They have an identity. They know who they are. Chase Bryce is back for, I think, year six or seven at, at the quarterback spot. His third school going from Clemson to Duke. Now he's at App State. He knows what this team is. This team knows who they are. UNC cannot stop the run. And then Bryce is going to find ways to be pretty accurate, pretty deadly with the passing game, too. So I'm looking forward to watching this one. But I do not think it will be pretty for these guys. Let's go to uh, where you uh, started the conversation at, and that is Oregon and Georgia. I feel like Oregon's getting no credit going into this game. Obviously, yeah. a very talented roster was left behind. Do they have a chance in the game? It's a 17-point spread. Uh, now, essentially, it's a home game for Georgia. Yeah, home game for Georgia. You throw in the fact that we're realistically we're looking at a, a an Oregon team that still has to figure out what they are offensively. Uh, talk to, jo- to Joey Mack. He said they, we might see all three quarterbacks today. Butterfield, Ty Thompson, and Bo Nix. So the key for Georgia, excuse me, the key for Oregon to beat Georgia is they've got to play good defense. And they have to, and, and, and I think Georgia's going to play into this as well because Georgia's an incredibly conservative football team. I don't expect them to try to break the bank. I don't expect them. I expect them to be happy if they just score 17 points. And they're like, okay, well, it's 17 to nothing. We don't have to do anything. Or it's 17 to 10 and there's two minutes left to play. I'm not scoring anymore. Let's just wait. So I'm very curious to watch that. Obviously, hopefully we get a, we're going to get a healthy Justin Flo to pair with Noah Sewell. Brandon Dorless is someone that I think a lot of folks are looking forward to watching. And something interesting, they're not listing positions in the secondary. They're just, they're just calling everybody defensive backs, which I think that makes for a fun um, situational football where you can get your best. And Florida did something similar to this a few years ago where they just had guys listed as defensive backs and it made it so that they could play five defensive backs, six defensive backs, and it was all kind of positionless football with the exception maybe of some of the corners, but you know who's outside, and then on the inside, anybody can go anywhere, which creates opportunities for pressure from depth, but also different coverage schemes. Let's stay on the SEC. How quickly can Billy Napier get Florida going back to a high level? Really interesting spot. I'm sure there's a lot of fans who are going to wake up on Saturday morning and go, what, Utah is is giving points to Florida? What the hell's going on here? Yeah, I, that's the big that's the big thing. We saw that line flip as well. But the big thing for me, I don't know how I, – I don't think it's going to be in game one. I can tell you that. And the biggest thing – and my buddy Stephen Hartzell brought this up he, repeatedly. Anthony Richards has only completed 38 passes in his career. 38. Like, that's a, that's, that's a night for Jake Hayner. That's a night for Aiden O'Connell. That's a night for these guys like that, that throw the ball around. So he doesn't have a ton of experience throwing the football. And with Utah, as I'm sure you know – they play a very confusing defense, and they feast on young quarterbacks. They, they, they're really good at disguising coverages, at zone pressures, and at bringing, uh, bringing guys, added, adding to the rush with the green dog. So I think that this is going to be an interesting – this is trial by fire really early for both Napier and Richardson. I'm curious to see what it looks like. I don't know what their weapons look like. I, I listen, we know they have still have Justin Shorter for year six in college football as well, but – I just really don't know what this looks like for Florida. And I expect Utah to come in, and yes, they're going coast to coast. They've traveled a long distance to play this football game. Um, the humidity is going to be an interesting factor in this ball game, But identity matters, and Utah knows who they are. I think this is going to be a really interesting start to the Napier era. 
But as long as he recruits well, which I think he will do, Florida can get back up and running pretty quickly. Sticking with the SEC, we're talking to Michael Felder, College Sports Now on Learfield. Uh, Oklahoma's going to be in the SEC probably sooner than later. And I know you saw yesterday, you know, they're starting to work on Big 12 negotiations for TV, so they may tell yep. uh, Texas and Oklahoma, you can go. Oklahoma is going to be a, a must-watch this season. What do they lose in Lincoln Riley as Venables? Up to snuff. Uh, this game they should handle easily. UTEP, bad second half last week against North Texas. But I'll tell you, the betting line went from 40.5 in the offseason down to 31.5. They're going to win the game, but what do we expect from Oklahoma coming out of the gates? Um, I'm looking at their defense first. Venables is a guy that preaches accountability, and he, he practices what he preaches. This is a guy in the national championship game against Alabama, benched three starters because they, weren't, they were freelancing. And he put backups in the game, and the, the backups helped them win the football game. So I, I think that that's going to be really huge. We'll see how Oklahoma's football team responds to that because that's not a thing that's really been on their table uh, prior to. Defense was kind of an afterthought, and some guys freelance, but they got to stay in the game. They will not stay in the game with Brent Venables there. So that's interesting. On the offensive side, experienced quarterback and Dylan Gabriel. He's, uh, he's reuniting with Jeff Levy. And then you throw in the fact that we've got um, Marvin Mims is still there. Theo Weiss is still there. I want to see what the running game looks like. I think they're, they're going to they're, they're be given to running the football a little bit more. But overall, I think this team's still going to be pretty solid. I think Oklahoma is a contender in the Big 12, especially after what we saw from Oklahoma State last night where their defense, that defense isn't as good as that defense was last year. That's for sure. They gave up a lot. It was 44 to 15 to go into halftime, and then they only they won 58-44. They gave up a ton of points, 22 points in the fourth quarter. That was really brutal to see from a team that was really proud defensively a season ago. So I think Oklahoma defensively, if you're watching Oklahoma, watch them defensively. Watch how sound they are. Uh, both tackling, but also with from an assignment standpoint, because I think they're going to be a lot better. Let's talk defense when it comes to Ohio State and Notre Dame. And last week we covered Jim Knowles going to the Buckeyes. I'm not hearing anyone back Notre Dame in a game that has a 17 or 17 and a half point spread. Notre Dame can't play enough defense to keep this one close. They're that overmatched. Ohio State's going to click that well in game one. I think everybody's overmatched. Uh, yeah, and I think they will click really well because nothing's changed for them offensively. You know, like this is basically the same team that was in the bowl game. And we don't even talk about Travion Henderson that much. This guy ran for almost 1,300 yards a season ago. He, if he, if C.J. Stroud wasn't the Heisman favorite, Henderson would probably be on the list a little bit higher. Uh, but the big thing for me is not that can they play good defense. I think they can. The problem is mistakes matter. And let's say they make four, five mistakes. Four or five mistakes, that's that's 28 or 35 points. Uh, to from... from if Notre Dame's defense makes four or five mistakes, that's 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 probably 35 points, right? And not not even the actual points that Ohio State's just going to take from you by being good. And the other part of it is, and let me let me flip this back to you because I asked Stephen Hartzell the same question: How many plays over 15 or 20 yards do you think uh, Notre Dame's going to have in this game? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know, maybe yeah. maybe 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 four, maybe five. I mean, that's. Certainly not oh. enough to keep up with an Ohio State. Is that? Do you think that's too many on my side? Yeah, I think maybe three, maybe four. So we're right there. We're right in the round in the same ballpark. But they're not going to have enough, and their 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 long plays are going to have to. I don't know. Like outside of Michael Mayer, like what do we love about this? What do we love about this? What's explosive about Notre Dame? And if you have to drive, and this is the thing I love about Knowles, is if you have to drive the distance consistently, you got to go 75 yards. Let's say they kick, kick it, touch, they score, they kick it, touch back. 75 yards, you got to go to score. You got to go. And if you're only doing that through dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, 
with Tyler Buckner, it's going to be a long day because you're going to have three and outs. If you have any incompletion will get you off schedule. Once you're off schedule, you're chasing yards. Once you're chasing yards, you're getting desperate, and then they're going to bring pressure, and that's going to be the problem. So I'm very curious to see what it looks like Saturday night. Michael Felder, we we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Have fun on Saturday and uh, with the games tonight. Sounds good. Yes, you take it easy. Cofield and Company College football expert Michael Felder. Giveaway time. Motley Crue is in town. Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and Poison all at Allegiant Stadium on September 9th. That's next Friday. We've got two tickets right now, 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7. If you don't win our tickets, you can go to Ticketmaster.com. Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett, Allegiant, September 9th, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. College football has kicked off. Michigan State with uh, former UNLV player Jacoby Windman. About five minutes in, scoreless against Western Michigan. Serena Williams is down one nothing at the start of her match at the U.S. Open. A little bit of breaking news, kind of interesting. Gino Auriemma is probably the most powerful. Gino Auriemma is probably the most powerful women's college basketball coach. Don Staley is pretty damn close. Don Staley just, not a debate. Uh, Don Staley just, you want to debate it? I just wanted to make I'm not going to debate it. I just yeah. make sure you throw Tara Vanderveer's name yeah. in there. But well, anyway, the, the point ahead. is Don Staley's in the news. Yes. Don Staley had a series set up with BYU. She just pulled out, Good. citing the volleyball thing with BYU, which I still don't believe has gotten enough attention. That was horrendous, and I've talked many times about BYU and the community wanting into a Power 5 conference. If you want to be included, then you've got to be inclusive. And the nonsense that went on at that volleyball match is gross, and it doesn't just deserve a, oh, wow, that's bad. Now there's some action. South Carolina's like, yeah, we don't want to be connected to something like this. Not interested. Um, let me just throw this out there real quick. To quick disclaimer on myself is that I originally had tweeted something to when I first saw it in response, and I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Jamel Hill was involved in the tweet, and then someone said something, and I, and I put out there. So anyone that's following me, I'm saying this, that's why. So I don't want to seem like a hypocrite here. But I, I originally had tweeted, I had disagreed on a, a coaching take that they had put. But that was before I, because I didn't read through the entire thread of people. And I hadn't done enough reading on it. I can't remember when it, when it was released, what I was doing. Then as I later read and found out, I originally, like I said, was in disagreement of their take based on the coaches because I was like, they're in the middle of the match. They're not hearing that. They're paying attention. I hadn't realized at the time, so I want to say that. But now when I found out, the BYU coaching staff was made aware when this was going on, the fact that they did not stop the match. Forget about getting security over there and get Just, first of all, stop the match and have the Duke team remove themselves from the court for that girl's safety. 
in general because I don't care who you are. When you hear something like that being spewed vehemently, in today's society, you have to immediately think for you know, the safety of the person that's being targeted. And that team should have been removed from the court, and BYU should have went to their locker room until that person was removed from the arena. And the fact that the BYU coaching staff, if what I'm reading is correct, that they knew about it and the match went on, they didn't do anything, they didn't take it serious enough as they should have, is a disgrace. And for folks who don't know about the incident, BYU-Duke volleyball game and some jabroni is behind a uh, Duke volleyball player, African-American, <laughs> dropping N-bombs. Yes. So It wasn't a student, right? It was someone in the audience, someone there supporting BYU, and the girl came out. She said she was scared. I mean, now she's doing, obviously, national interviews, and it's, uh, it's in, it just it belongs in no place whatsoever. Update on Darren Waller. Nothing official yet, right? But your prediction from a couple of weeks ago, you feel like it's going to come true? Yeah, I do. And um, I actually texted with Drew Rosenhaus um, the day that it happened, and I said, "Is there? do you have an ETA? Um, and do you expect it to be done by the start of the season? And he said, I want a deal done ASAP. Now, I have been told that he was going to immediately name his new – this was before Wednesday. What I was told was that he was going to have someone in place on Wednesday. We'd know who it was. But do not expect a deal with immediacy. But there's a reason behind that. And that was because if they immediately – a powerful guy like Drew Rosenhaus comes out and gets it done, all of a sudden Clutch could say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just signed somebody, and all of a sudden you signed the deal. We've been negotiating. Where's our cut? So the fact that Darren Waller would sign that quick, it, they could arguably they could say arguably, hey, we were in on this. So the deal could already be done, and you just need about a week to get by. I personally think that the deal will be done. I think here's the thing: they have to make themselves available starting Tuesday, the locker room after practice. I don't know if Darren Waller will casually be in a meeting, casually getting treatment on the hamstring, air quotes, um, injury, those days that we're in the locker room. And then all of a sudden, Friday, 1 p.m., locker rooms are closed. Oh, deal's been struck. Saturday they fly out, game on Sunday. It, it alleviates a lot of things. It alleviates Darren Waller having to talk to the media for now. Um, it alleviates any sort of clutch sports coming in saying, hey, we had that deal in place. So that's why I tweeted, I quote tweeted earlier, um, I believe it might have been my colleague Josh Dubowitz, but I would said something to the effect of next week when he signs um, on Thursday or Friday, I believe is what I put. Oh, he, Josh said, will Mark Davis and Darren Waller be at the Aces game or the Raiders-Chargers game? And I said, Davis at the Aces Waller at Chargers after signing his extension next Friday. I was in my head. I wasn't thinking he meant this Sunday, but no, he couldn't have because he meant the Raiders Chargers game. So yeah, game one. I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, so he's obviously assuming that there will be the the Aces will move on because when the Raiders Chargers play, right, 
they'll be in the WNBA Finals. So I put Davis as the Aces. Waller will be at the Chargers with, obviously, the Raiders after signing his extension next Friday, which I've been saying that it would take place just before Game 1, and here we are. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I'm going to live till I die. I'm going to laugh instead of cry. I'm going to take the town and turn it upside down. I'm going to live past the halfway point at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. TI, 3 nothing, 3 nothing. field goal early. Big yardage edge with Western Michigan against Michigan State. So 3 nothing, Western Michigan is on top. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Next hour, we're going to talk to football insider Mark McMillan about the Aces, about UNLV, about college football, about the 12-team playoff idea that seems cemented now for 2026, and of course, the Raiders roster makeup. Fat Pack coming up here in just a second, but a couple other uh, football topics Mm. to hit real quick. You've been dying to talk about the Steelers quarterback situation. Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? Well, I think because of the veteran, the veteran in him and Mitch Trubisky, what he did in terms of you know, I, I thought it was from a betting standpoint. As degenerate Danny looks on very eagerly, I thought from a betting standpoint, Pittsburgh throughout the preseason was really fascinating with lines and totals. Um, first couple of weeks, like taking the over because three quarterbacks vying for that starting role, right? They really uh, Tomlin. Had to get a look at guys that were vying for the starting position. He couldn't. You couldn't say, well, is he playing his starters? But in a sense, he's playing one of his starting quarterbacks. And Trubisky probably made the case, but the rookie looked good. I'm wondering what week Kenny Pickett takes over. I was trying to trying to break down the um, the schedule, look and see where it could you know shake loose for this guy, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued by what Pittsburgh's going to do because, you know, that was the big topic for them offseason. Who's going to replace Ben Roethlisberger? Are they going to be able to contend? You know, Baltimore, obviously, Lamar Jackson. Cleveland's got their issues. Cincinnati, the defending AFC champs. Um, I don't know. I think I think the Steelers might be in a good position because I think if Trubisky falls off and starts becoming stagnant, I think this kid's ready, this Kenny Pickett. I know it's only preseason, but still, it's, uh, it looks good. All right, when you looked at the schedule, let me pull it up. I want to see what you think. I want to see when you think Pickett could be in, Trubisky out. October 23rd. Why? Back-to-back games at the Bills, and then they host the Buccaneers. And if they get beat up pretty bad, you know, and they and they – they start at the Bengals. Then they host the Patriots, which I don't. I think that they could dog the Patriots after what I saw. Um, they go to the Browns. That'll be a, an interesting matchup because I think by then, Cleveland has to figure out what they're going to do. You know, and, I mean, and they were supposed to be a formidable foe in the AFC North. They get the Jets, your Jets. I think they should win that game. Then they go to Buffalo. The problem is with the Jets is are they going to look ahead to Buffalo, and then they host Tampa Bay, and no buys in between there. Um, 
The Patriot game, there's four days, Sunday to the Thursday it looks like. So there's a good chance that we could see Kenny Pickett by October 23rd when Pittsburgh goes to Miami because back-to-back road games, if you consider the trip to Philadelphia, it is a road game, right? It's in-state. So that's game seven. No, one, yeah, one, two. Game yep, seven. Yep, game seven. So Pickett will be in by game seven. Yes. I'm not saying he's going to be the star. He'll take over, but he will be in. Now, what do you mean? I mean, you're betting. He, well, he's got to I want to make a bet on this. His, he will start. He will he start. Will start he, by that game. He'll start game, by game seven. Right. Doesn't mean he's going to maintain the starting role the rest of it, but he will start by game seven. All right, so how do we construct this bet? Because I say Trubisky keeps the job. The entire which No, goes? I didn't say that. No, oh. I want your cutoff. You say well, Trub- I'm, Trubisky I'm, won't be the starter. October 23rd. I, I know. I'm saying that that's when he's going to get his start. All right. We'll, we'll come up. We'll craft a bet. We'll craft something. I think Trubisky is going to hold on to the job because I think the Steelers are actually going to be good early in spite of the fact that their schedule blows. By the way, Michigan State with a uh, pass out to the flat. That's one of the games going on right now. So they just, and Duke just took a lead down on the... Western Michigan. So it's 7-3 now. Uh, you just tell me, like, I, I guess I should get X amount of games, like plus whatever, so many X amount of games in a – I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right, we'll figure it out. i got to wrap my head around it. But I think what I think what you saw in the preseason with Pickett was a bit of fool's gold. Okay. I don't. And you should know better. It's the here preseason. We here we go. It's playing against twos and threes. You're getting all fired up. Now, and now here's the thing. We talked about this a little bit last week that we had on the same day we had reports from, well, at least comments from two of the big NFL insiders, Al Breer, went on one of the shows um, and said Pickett hasn't played well in practice and Tomlin has to sell the quarterback to his veteran team that wants to win now and Pickett's a hard sell. Adam Schefter goes on later that day on TV and says Pickett's like inches away from him and he could take the job at any point. All right. Okay. Who well, do I trust more? First of all, I trust Breer more than Sheffy. First of all, what you just said, veteran team. So they've seen him in training camp for X amount of weeks, and they've gotten used to him. So you can you can they can argue that point. I think what he's saying is that. No, I know what I, they're saying. I know what I'm I saying. What he's saying is Pickett hasn't really won his teammates over, and Trubisky had a really good camp. Well, I don't believe anybody's insiders, but my own eyes. I know what I see. I see preseason. I see. De- it doesn't matter. It's demeanor. It's poise. If, 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 if he's a second stringer and he's going against second stringers and he dominated second stringers, he showed demeanor and poise in how he was supposed to, posting the numbers he was supposed to post if he was legit. End of story. So what you're saying is we shouldn't believe in the Raiders and the Jets. That's not a, not gotcha. at all. Not gotcha. at all. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, not at all. What so, are you going to sell me that the Raiders and the Jets in the AFC Championship? Well, I mean, now you're being silly. <laughs> do you want – I will bet against my own team. What do you want to do on the Jets? No, I'm not d- – d- Don't be crazy, please. I'm yeah, not doing all this. So I'm saving you from yourself. I'm saving you from having to pay a third dinner by doing this <laughs> stupid quarterback. I'm already going to beat you with the Texans, and I'm going to beat you with the Raiders. So, you know, 
Pickett won't be starting by game seven. That's it. That's the bet. If he starts before that or in game seven, then you're in. I have him. I okay. have to have Trubisky last to be the starter up to game seven, and then I'm then I'm gold. Right. As long as he starts through October 23rd, you're gold. If, if Pickett gets a start by then, man, we're going to have a lot of Which, dinner. by the way, is we're going to spend a lot of time is, buying dinners. I'm taking the risk on this one because injuries could also screw me on Trubisky. He is a guy who runs, so uh, I'm going to drop it down to pick it as to start by game four. No. <laughs> You're Come on! You confident in him or not? You're Take the bet! No. What's wrong with you? Nope. Fat pack. Fat pack. Interesting story. I saw this the other day, and this kind of goes on the heels of the fake, as it turned out, Chick-fil-A story that they were going to start selling wings. Yeah. That's not true. And then I saw... Something on social media about McDonald's going 24-hour breakfast. You can get breakfast anytime. This is not true? No. It's not returning. It was all a viral rumor. It was a nasty rumor for all you club-going, partying people, driving home at 4 in the morning, looking to pick up an Egg McMuffin or hotcakes and sausage, whatever. They're not bringing back its popular all-day breakfast next month. Is that your jam? What, is that one of your places? I, I couldn't even tell you the year, the last time I was at a McDonald's. The, I, literally, I couldn't tell you the year that I was there. I think for me, it was probably 2019. And I only, I get it on the road because I'm with people who go there. Mm. So it's actually that Kansas City trip I make every year. Mm. Um, the Chubbos, who I'm with, like, uh, my, it's my favorite order, too, they get. They'll get, like, a breakfast sandwich, but egg whites only. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's much healthier. So you go to a barbecue country, and you get McDonald's. I, you know what? I don't control what happens for breakfast. I don't have a car. I get in the car. If they go to wherever, i got to get what they get. Let me or I get, or I get nothing. I don't know how to pronounce this, but have you ever been to or would you ever go to, is it Voltacos? Voltagos? I don't know what that is. You, I don't you, know what that is. Well, it's another fast. We're live, Willie. Where, what is it? it? Ocean City, New Jersey. Is that near where you are from? Yes, uh, but it's not a town I frequent because it's a dry town, and I have I don't have anything to do in a dry town. Ocean City, New Jersey residents talk to people and visitors. Sober. Keep going. Ocean City, New Jersey residents and visitors will have about a month more to get their pizza subs and platter fix from Valtico's Italian Foods, which on Friday announced on social media it is closing per. Philly Insider. I've never heard of that place. And I figured you were just mispronouncing it, but yeah, apparently it's a real place. Yeah. I, I just it just cro- it just it literally just crossed my Ooh. timeline at four twenty five that hurts on the Philly Inquirer at, uh Twitter page and and uh, and I said, Oh, I'm gonna bring this up on the fat pack because that's Steve's neck of the woods. Now I've never been there and uh should be but, but that's super depressing. Serving the shore since nineteen fifty four. Oh come on. When's it closing? October 9th. I got no shot. Two weeks before oh, look at Kenny Pickett starts. Look at the prices, too. Breakfast sandwiches, pork roll, egg and cheese on a Kaiser roll. That's your type of deal, right? That's absolutely look at, my there's, type there's, of deal. A, there's, look at this. On, it looks like a Facebook. Since 1954, Baltacos has been here to serve our customers, locals and tourists alike. The best Italian oh, takeout no. at the Jersey Shore. 
You ready? I want to know if Snooky was ever there on the Snooky, show. Snooky, you know, the truth is Snooky's not so much a Jersey Shore person. She kind of is. No, but what, did she film it there? So I want to know uh, if it was they, on the they, show. It may they, have been on the show. Ocean City is about 40 miles south, maybe even further, 45 miles south of Seaside, oh. which is where they – That's where they filmed yeah. it. Gotcha. But they've got – this is this is right up your alley. We're just reading menus. We just come on, just come on it's the air. We just we just read menus. It's a great take story. pictures of hot dogs at Golden Circle, and now now I'm just this this show really is. You're not fat, but the show really is like Fatso Seventeen. Remember the movie Fatso, right? Yeah, where they Luis. where they just started talking about putting uh, Reese's peanut butter cups in the jelly donut, and then it melts down, and like and they're just like uh, uh, like getting all sure. worked up. They sweat honey. Get the honey, Junior. Um, hot roast pork subs with, they don't say it, but you know it's with it. Hot roast uh, pork subs with the stinky provolone, spinach, and the roasted red pepper. Willie speechless. Look at him. He just salivating. <laughs> he just I, I, I automatically thought of this place that you're going to be taking me when. Uh, Look who's leading the, the live golf event, Wolf and Gooch. I, I, Gooch has got to be here in the morning. What the heck? Um, I started salivating thinking about the Italian restaurant that you're going to have to take me to. I'm going to have to take you to like 10 different Italian restaurants. Yeah, now you're going to lose, lose all three these bets. bets. There's more coming, believe me. I'm going to be consulting with DD about some more specialty props. Degenerate Danny. Danny. All right. Yeah. Degenerate Danny, not yeah. Dangerous Danny. Yeah, I'm not I think Degenerate Danny belongs to the press box and Dangerous Danny belongs to us. Uh, Each show he has a different nickname. First of all, he's here, so he belongs to Lotus, and I give no credence to giving them any ownership toward any person. No, I meant nicknames. No. I don't remember if they – is that what I heard this morning? Did they call you that, or was it something else? It was something or else. maybe Willie came up with that, and we've got two It was Degenerate Danny? Degenerate uh, Danny, all right, instead of Dangerous Danny. Yeah, we'll stick with Dangerous then. I'll, or I'll come up with something. Coming up, Willie is going to give out some of his college football picks, which include – that Michigan game against Colorado State. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Now back to Cofield and Company. Uh, I just wanted to do something for the team, so I got everybody a uh, five hundred dollar gift card to go to Express. Get y'all on suits, man. Fridays don't work without college football and a little bit of sigh. Remember Gangnam Style? A little bit of sigh. Yeah. A little bit of sigh. 14-3 Michigan State on top of Western Michigan. We're checking that out. We've got uh, Serena in her match today at the U.S. Open. I can't see that TV. Can you see the score over there? Anyone? 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 Is it 4-3 in the first set? Look at Willie squinting. 5-3. 5-3. Um, Serena's just, up. 5-3. Yeah. Hello. About that rejoin, are you uh, – are you going to do something nice and get us all gift cards to suit up? Um, I could use a couple of suits. We got, we got treated today at uh, Golden Circle. That's about this, as well as I true. can do. This is true. Yes. You're eating uh, some onion rings, so am I. They're These very onion good. onion rings are ridiculous. That friggin' good. hot dog. Oh, my God. I'm going to send out more pictures of the hot dog. I'll tell you this. That was nice. I've eaten a couple times during this show since we started. I've eaten a couple times during Throw the Flag Saturday Mornings with Gooch. 
I'm not just saying this. I have not had one bad meal. I nice. mean, they go above and beyond what you see on there. They, they put it together nicely. We, uh, we had a great moment in studio the other day. Uh, Kevin, is that the new guy? Who's, uh, he's, he's the tech, right? One of the techs. Mm-hmm. He, he walks into our studio, and he's listening to Fox Sports Radio across the way in our building, and some of the national guys were on. And I guess they were talking about food, which we do all the time. Yeah. And he's like, well, at least you guys are going to talk sports today because they're talking about, uh, like, veal parmesan over there. He's like, I can't believe they need that to fill. And I'm sure Ari was like, oh, my God. The bomb is going to go off. Because I was like, first of all, we don't fill. If a show is filling, it sucks. And then secondly, get over to the studio and fix stuff. All right? Don't worry about what's on the air. All right? Programming, technical. Right? I'm not ripping wires out of the board. You go do that. We'll decide what we talk about on the air. And if we want to talk about food, we're talking about food. Okay? Food and football. That's our audience. You going to explode? Yeah. You going to pile on? Don't do it. Don't do it. You know what I'm going to explode? I already have have a rep for being a weenie. Let me take the the brunt of the weenie heat. I'll let you do that. I'm I'm just a little peeved that the tweet that just went out to announce that we are live, um, uh, I don't see Adam Hill anywhere, but apparently Adam's here. Just, I just I letting know what's you know. Going on. Did someone miss ID who's on the show today? Pretty well. It just Again? says 9-2, Colton Gun Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas at T.I. Gold Turtle with Adam Hill Jr. Oh, LVR. yeah, there you go. Or not Jr., LVRJ. Pretty amazing. Whatever. It's pretty amazing how that happens pretty consistently. It's pretty amazing. All right, well. The maybe, vast Twitter crew. Make, make, <laughs> up, make up for it by giving out a winner, something Adam really can't do. I like Southern Miss, plus the points against Liberty. All right, deep dive. Liberty. They're going into they're going in laying points, and I mean, I understand the Flames have sort of been a little bit of the darlings for them, you know, the lower lesser known teams. Eight and five last season. Southern Miss went three and nine. Um, Hugh Freeze, the Flames, they've taken the nation by storm the past three seasons. But I think that's worn off. I think this might be the biggest test. You know, they've had a little bit of turnover. Um, not that many of the originals are gone. The the but they have. To, one thing that they have to do is they have to establish a proven leader at quarterback. They're going to need to develop an identity this year. Um, the team has seen some overhaul. Southern Miss has roughly 20 more scholarship players heading into the season than it did last year. The defense is supposed to be improved from what I've read. Um, so as much as the Liberty team gets its hype based off its first few years in the FBS, um, I think Southern Miss – is going to serve a wake-up call to uh, Hugh Freeze and Liberty. I like the home points. I like the underdog in that game. I also like Arizona, plus the points against San Diego State. You do? Yeah. I think that the Wildcats, you know, they have this, the reigning Pac-12 freshman offensive player of the year, Washington State's Jaden Delora, has transferred in. 2,700 passing yards, 23 touchdowns. Got him from the transfer portal. Also got UTEP transfer Jacob Cowing. Um, yeah, San Diego State's defense is always, you know, feared. Uh, and, and I'm going to go on a limb here. I, I don't necessarily, I'm not buying into it too much, but 
I want to know how much the Matariza issue has maybe been a bit of a distraction, just even if it altered course a couple of days. You know, it may have just thrown a little wrench. You got 40 seconds. Give me Michigan, Colorado State. Well, I just think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be pushing up there in the big house. He's going to put the gas pedal down, but I think Norvell is going to have the, they're going to transition that team into be a passing up-tempo, and I like the, both of them to go at it. By the way, five minutes ago when we came back, that was C.J. McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, saying that he was going to give a $500 gift card to get suits for everyone on the team. Technically, that would mean about 120 people. So that was $60,000 if McCord holds up his Good thing there's end, only two of, of us. end of the bargain. <laughs> five o'clock hour is on the way. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're hanging out at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Come on down, 55-plus TVs. Massive bar, great drink specials. We're telling you about the menu throughout the show. It's great.